Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, hey. Welcome. It's Friday. It is. And we're not in our normal digs. You know, sometimes you just have to disrupt, <laughs> adapt, <laughs> and repeat it. We didn't plan that, but we're flying by the seat of our pants today because if you're in Oklahoma or anywhere surrounding states, you're covered in ice, and so you can't really do your normal jam. We are not in John's 100-year-old house. We're upstairs in my bonus room right now looking over a, I can't call it a winter wonderland because it's like barely fall here <laughs> in Oklahoma, but you know what? Some of us don't have power, some of us don't have Wi-Fi, but we're making it work today. Yep. And so this is actually our seventh core belief, and it's been the plan all along, so it's kind of serendipitous that it worked out like this, but something we call grow, adapt, disrupt, repeat. And it's really just this mantra that don't settle, you know, Mm -hmm. don't don't just uh, say this is how we've always done it, but just have this mindset and this view that we can always do better, we can always go further, we can always improve. And it really just starts with listening, you know? I love that you brought up the doing things the same way is, is what a crutch that is. Because I think when you say that, when you look at your projects, when you look at your programs, the things that are on your plate, if you are thinking that about anything that you're looking at, that is the thing you need to start disrupting. Yeah. Don't you just have a visceral reaction when people say that too? You just like, oh, that's what we've always it's done. It's such a trigger for me where I'm like, oh, that's that means I need to roll up my sleeves right now and we need to get this thing and start over and, and just looking at it with fresh eyes. And I think that's just one of the conundrums of just being in an organization long term is it's hard to see things with fresh eyes. You keep coming in, you know the ropes, you know the players, you know the strategy. And so it's not intuitive to say, oh, we could actually relook at the way we do this entirely. And I just think that's how incredible innovation starts. Yeah. And, you know, I think it starts from a place of being really laser focused, clear on your mission, on your vision, what you'd call your true north of why do we exist? Why do we show up? What is the purpose of our organization? If you know that and you're true to that, then the way you get there, the way you deliver it, the way you outreach to people, the way you connect, communicate, all those things, those are all up in the air. Like it's not like there has to be an exact map of we have to do it this way because that's what we've always done. We want to be um, relevant. And if you don't evolve, you're going to grow out of that and not be relevant. <laughs> yeah. And I just think when you're someone who's prone to listen, you're going to evolve. You're going to pivot because you're being a dynamic listener is always going to hear things that we're not doing or things that are opportunities. And that will help us to grow and evolve. So it really does start with listening. I felt like it might be helpful to even talk about where this came up with or where we came up with this, because the way that we define this is daring innovation really does lie in the hand of 
hearts of the dreamers. So we never want to stop listening. We never want to stop sharing. We never want to stop pushing to think bigger. And we never want to substitute the easy thing for the right thing. And at the end of the day, we never want to stop chasing humanity. And if you can do all that, implement it, do it, and then repeat it over and over again. Because we don't want to be blockbuster. No. We don't want to be Kodak. You know, we want to remember what relevant. these companies did now. I, I mean, mean, my kids think a photograph <laughs> is something that is on your phone, taken yeah. digitally. And it's like, we've got to keep looking at our business, looking at our mission and thinking about ways that we can adapt. And I think one of the best examples, John, is that we had seven core values when we started our company eight weeks ago. We have grown and we've adapted a little and we've added an eighth one, you know, in the last, I mean, just by virtue of watching what's happening in our community, listening to what people want and listening to how we can be someone that steps in and delivers um, that which people are missing. And so we're adapting, we're disrupting our own space. And I think it's healthy. It is healthy. And I remember, you know, when we were just dreaming about what we are for good would be that we had these conversations that we knew there's, there's core things that we obviously want to keep as our, as our mission. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we would just want to have a really open hand for so much of the peripheral stuff because we don't know what we don't know. And we haven't met that many people yet in the grand scheme of things. And we want to serve and understand and meet people's needs where they're at. And that's what we should all be doing from all of our organizations, wherever we're at. So I want to camp out a little bit on just listening because I think, you know, you mentioned this a minute ago, I've already said this, so I know this is a central theme when we think about it, but we have to first just create some consistent space Mm. to do that. And sometimes it's one-on-one. That's probably the best kind, right? When you can sit across from somebody and I'm not talking about just the person who's going to tell you what you want to hear. And I'm guilty. I like to be that person (laughs) for a lot of people. You're a peacemaker. I like to be a peacemaker. Yeah. I do love bringing the peace. But you also need to be surrounded by those folks who can completely tell you when there is block broccoli stuck between your teeth. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> needs a friend that will tell the them floss. about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree with that. And I and I love what you say about just like opening up your hands and your ears because I think that if you can walk into those conversations humbly, you know, humility is going to take you a long a long way if you don't think that you know it all. Because every time I even as a public relations professional felt like I understood the key messages, figured out what I needed to do to um, ensure perfect message delivery with my target audience. The audience always humbled me and was like, that's not what we want. We (laughs) want you to do X. And it's like, okay, I'm so glad that we asked and talked about this. So I do think that there are some creative ways that people in our business can listen because clearly we have such an incredible human to human aspect that's in cultivation and solicitation with the donor. We have that with stewardship, but I think it, it could really just start simply like, where are you? engaging with your base of supporters are are they at your events virtual or in in person these days are they at your are they coming to your board meetings are they volunteering um in in some of your programs are they your staff um are they on social media and they're just like distantly following you you need to get into those spaces and start creating some level of two-way communication that can really give what we talked about last weekend your base a megaphone or a microphone you bet and it's like we say what's the number one barrier for someone making that gift is you not actually making the ask. Mm-hmm. 
is the same way if you're not giving somebody the opportunity to respond. And so I'd say first, you know, one of the pieces of advice is look at all the channels that Becky just described and directly ask for that input. You know, after every event, are you really intentional to follow up with a survey or with a debrief for your team or with your board? Are you acting specifically for that feedback and giving people an opportunity to respond, making that easy to do and just stewarding the heck out of them for doing that because it takes a lot of time these days to to stop what you're doing and provide that feedback. But I think that's one of the most important things you can do. I love that. And, you know, in our prior life, we, in a couple of organizations, we had a tool that was just an annual donor survey, which I thought was such an, an interesting way to get feedback from your base of donors. And, and you send it really globally. So you could be hitting up people that um, maybe – maybe would have given to your organization 10 years ago. So they, they may not even be highly engaged, but it's important to ask for their opinion because you might figure out why they're no longer giving. You might create an opportunity for them to come back into the family, maybe through a volunteer role before you ask them for a gift and you would never get there. So I think, you know, just looking around and maybe start with what drives you crazy or what <laughs> makes you roll your eyes or take a heavy sigh because of how mentally draining it is. Start there. That would be a space that's totally rife for innovation and disruption. And use a couple tools, use your email list, use your social media, use these in-person events and start building that rapport and being a great listening ear. I think it could just naturally lead to better development communications. And you know, you got to channel your Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. (laughs) But I say that because one of the greatest examples of us doing a hard pivot was when we were listening to the feedback, um, we had two significant gala events, which mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody that's listening is like two, you know, in a year. I feel Are you, you crazy. Yes, we were. Yes. Um, and there was just, it was, they were both wonderful events in their own regard. They had their own, you know, unique aspects that made them both successful. But this one had grown to more than a million dollars and it had just truly though, run its course. Like it had accomplished um, a lot of wonderful things, but the seasonality of the leadership that was in place to, to carry it on and really the momentum to carry it forward had run its course. And there was so much transition happening that we had to make the difficult decision to say, we really need to put all of our attention and focus on this one other event. And the result of that was so great because we were hearing from donors that this was overload. It was hard to By the time we're thanking for this one, we're already asking for the next one and we're like stepping on each other's toes and it became complicated messaging. And if you're actually designing an ideal plan, you'd probably never do that. You know, it Mm -hmm. kind of evolved into that. And that's probably another, you know, thing you really want to look at is what's just really evolved into something that's maybe doesn't make sense if you were to really recreate it and rethink about it. And so we made that difficult decision to, to sunset that event, but to put all of our eggs into one event. And that is what, you know, took our main gala to the next level because Mm -hmm. it allowed all of the focus, all of the energy, all of volunteers direction into this one path. And the results were much more astonishing by just by doing that. And so it took some bravery to do that. But on the backside, like it's so much of a stronger program as a result. Absolutely. And I mean, can you imagine walking into your leadership and saying, we'd like to sunset a million dollar event. (laughs) I mean, they're going to think you're out of your mind. But if you really are subscribed to the long game and unifying messages, creating one culture of philanthropy, you cannot have competing interest with yourself. And so we saw that it was a hard decision. But again, the long game, we can see it, you know, several years later that it has 
deepened relationships. It's made the mission more meaningful and we're no longer just having a party where we're telling some cool stories that everybody feels about in the moment. We really want to keep them connected. So I wanted to tell the story about what we did with t-shirts as a, and this is, this is a Becky had to come uh, into this space. Very (laughs) humble because we had a a very successful employee campaign. We've talked about it a lot on this uh, podcast, but you know, we kind of had hit a ceiling at some point with our giving and we were having trouble kind of just breaking through to that next level. And someone had made a recommendation to us that we should really add a t-shirt component to the campaign. And let's be honest, John and I are snobs about some of this (laughs) stuff. And we kind of turned our noses up a little at that thought, which again, we were not listening well. Um, And we, we wanted people to give based on the purity uh, of the ass. It was a (laughs) hundred, We, we wanted everybody to be 100% altruistically bought in to what we were doing. John, not everyone is like you and I. Some people need to be brought in to the fold in unique ways. And so we decided to test it one year and we decided to create like a low barrier to entry. So it was and like an incentive that we yeah, added. Yeah, it's an incentive gift. Yep. So if somebody gave, you know, $5 per pay period, which is, you know, basically 10 bucks a month to our campaign, they would get this t-shirt. Now, what we didn't anticipate was it really brought several people who were making a token gift up to that level. That was one thing. Another benefit we never could have anticipated is the virability and the visual nature of that t-shirt. It was like a walking billboard 3,200 times over with everyone across the state wearing them. And it was such a conversation piece. Um, and again, it allowed people to come stop by our table and talk to us Just about it because they wanted a yeah. shirt. And yeah, there was the whimsy that we love so much that brings kind of the joyful spirit. And so that was such a positive um, a story to disruption because it really did turn our campaign on its head by adding sort of this new element. And we had to arrive there and come along um, with the suggestion and it worked out. Yeah. And so when we would look back and there was a line in the sand of when the campaign really took turn to corner is when we added these other elements and really kind of listened to more feedback. Community is everything in that regard, everything. you know, listening. So I'll even throw out one more funny example. I mean, since we launched the podcast, if you followed along with us, we've we've stayed pretty strict to a schedule that we're dropping on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. It's like our newborn. It wants to be fed <laughs> at a certain time. We were keeping it on that regular schedule. Yes. Well, somehow when we were loading it, one week in, um, we accidentally put it on for Thursday instead of Friday. Oops. <laughs> I'm it so was not the, pointing that it was the best was mistake we've ever made. And that is why we love our Julie because she hilarious. helps us innovate, accidentally innovate. It was like our biggest Thursday, bigger than our typical Friday. It's like the most <laughs> downloads ever was on this Thursday practically. And it was like the funniest thing. We're oh like, my gosh. should we just have the most random drop schedule of all time? Should we just drop them whenever? But you know, we didn't ultimately end up moving to that schedule, but it was this great opportunity to just say, we need to always be rethinking and looking at this. Yeah. Who cares if it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an in, for indefinite period of time? We're showing up consistently and the community is going to respond. So yeah, thanks for giving us that little uh, light bulb moment for exactly. us because we just need to try some stuff. And that is what we're saying today. Embrace risk. These are these are probably new areas that you've never been in. To, to disrupt is not um, an innate feeling or desire for most people. You know, adapting maybe, growing for sure, but 
disrupting is really the one that we want you to kind of hover next to. Take that risk. Understand that listening is such a core part of growing and innovating. And if we're someone who believes that having as many voices at the table is important, then you got to create space to do that. So do it. It's, it's going to be able to help you rewrite a narrative that you never knew existed in it. your mission. So basically, when someone says, here's the status quo, you say status no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dad just called. He wants his jokes I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. Don't really? do what's expected. I mean, this is, we, we talk so much about the safe space that nonprofit is. We try, we tippy toe around um, these spaces that we feel like we can't go into. We're telling you, we're giving you permission today in this moment with trees breaking <laughs> um, <laughs> all around us with I, this ice storm. Today, we're giving you permission. It's okay to go there. Somebody needs a microphone and they're going to tell you something that is going to revolutionize the way that you engage, the way that you steward, and the way you build relationships with them. It's going to be magical. So grow, adapt, disrupt, repeat. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you feel inspired to do the hard work to grow, adapt, and disrupt your mission through risk-taking, listening, and innovating. Now repeat, our missions are worth it. Did you know every week we share our best roundup of content, freebies, and notes heard on each episode? Head over to weareforgood.com slash hello to join our mailing list, and you'll hear from us weekly with resources and tips to help you do more for your mission. If you loved what you heard today, would you stop what you're doing and hit subscribe? It really does help more people find us and join our good community. Thanks, friends. I'm Julie Comfer, our producer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borspoon. Thanks for being here. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.